Welcome, Illumineers, to episode 16 of the Equal Gamers Podcast. Today, we are going to have a great episode. We're going to go over the Amber cards in Rise of the Floodborne. So, much like we did for the first set of Lorcana, we're going to go through every color, go through every single card, and assign a grade on that card based on how we think it will play in competitive constructed environments. So today we're gonna start with Amber. Dana, why don't you take it away? Tell us how our grading system works. All right, so for our grading system, we have S as the highest, and then it goes down A, B, C, and D. So S, these are cards that you couldn't imagine cutting. You would play four of in every deck with this color, and they're just a very high power level. So an example from set one would be Rapunzel Gifted with Healing. A is the next one down. So it's one of the best cards in the color, a very high power level. We'll play in most decks. Few archetypes might not want it, or at least maybe all four, depending on their strategy, like Stitch Rockstar would be an example from set one. Um, and it could also be the best cards that cause you to build around it, like Big Elsa. B is cards that are solid role players, could be four of in a lot of decks just due to their ink ability and ink costs, but maybe not necessarily super high power, something like Minnie Mouse, or they're a higher power level and maybe not inkable or they're expensive, so it's hard to play in some archetypes or a lot of copies of. So an example would be Ursula. And then next we have C. This will take a very specific deck to play. It could have niche applications, something like Dinglehopper, and then D mostly unplayable, something like Healing Glow. So what we're gonna do is basically start with our characters first, go in alphabetical order, and then we'll end with our items and actions slash songs. So are you ready to get started? Heck yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. All right, so the first character that we have is Bashful Hopeless Romantic. It is a four ink cost two five. That quest for three with the ability. Oh gosh, this character can't quest unless you have another seven dwarves character in play. Dana, what kind of grade did you give Bashful? I gave him a BC. I think C more so because you obviously need the dwarf package to make this card playable just because his abilities is only dependent upon other dwarf cards however i think it could be a b due to how strong the chances are for playing a dwarf package right now i played with the starter deck during the event and even as is it was pretty solid synergies and so i can see a lot of those so i kind of give it a bc yeah i gave it a c and not to give it away, but I gave most of the dwarves a C just because it seems like they're not very individually powerful. You need a critical mass of them in play for their effects to really be strong. And this one just kind of doesn't do anything by itself. So if this is the one character on your board, your opponent can just kind of ignore that while interacting with all of your other characters. Uh, that being said, there aren't a lot of four-cost characters that quest for three, and maybe there are a couple of the dwarves that you know, 
maybe are just more powerful than what I think they are. Mm -hmm. So I could, I could see it potentially getting there, but then again, that takes up, like, if you're going to play the dwarf deck, then that takes up half your deck just playing these cards that on their own just are individually powerful. So I don't see it for this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't even know if this is a time and place for us to talk about or if we need to just wait for our episode where we look at the individual starter decks. But I do agree with you in that I think I'll see people playing dwarves, but not all of them. Mm -hmm. I think there are some dwarves that are just not very good, but I don't know. We'll see. I think if we do get dwarves, like you said, the fact that it quests for three, I could see people playing this one. So Yeah, I, I think if dwarves are good, this is probably one of the reasons why, honestly. But I just don't have a lot of confidence in that. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so next one. Christopher Robin Adventurer, a inkable six drop, a two six, quests for two, and has the ability will always be together. Whenever you ready this character, if you have two or more characters in play, you gain two lore. I gave this a C. I think this could see some play, but I'm skeptical you might even be able to reap the benefit of it just because you need two or more characters. I don't know. It just seems kind of niche, so... Yeah, I also gave it a C. I don't think Little Chris is very good. So there's a lot that kind of has that has to go right for this card to, you know, kind of pay you back for what you're spending on it. Mm -hmm. I think since we're adding another set, there were a lot of really good six cost cards anyway in the first set. Now there's just going to be double that. Mm -hmm. And for this one... To work, you have to have two other characters in play, not even when you play it, but just when you ready it, when it becomes your turn again. So you have to have characters in play when you quest with it. Mm -hmm. And then when it comes back to your turn, they either have to not interact with this or any of your other characters in order for you to just get two other lore. It seems really slow to me, and it's body... His body is not very strong. Um, I'm not a believer. Mm -hmm. All right. So the next card is Cinderella Ballroom Sensation. This one I think I am a believer in. It is a one-cost dinkable one-two with Singer three and it quests for one. Dana, what did you give Cinderella? I gave her an A. I think she's going to be really good for people to be able to sing songs quite early. I know that there aren't very many songs that are going to be a three, but, or less, that are super powerful, but I think just having a singer three as a one drop is pretty good. Yeah, there are a couple steel songs that are pretty powerful in Rise of the Floodborne that cost three. So this is sings Let the Storm Rage On and Strength of a Raging Fire, which are some really strong steel cards. It also sings Mother Knows Best if you want to play Emerald. Seeing that just by exerting such a cheap character can be really strong tempo-wise. But one of the things that I'm most interested in is singing... Friends on the other side on turn two, just getting that big burst of card draw so early. If you just have those two cards in your hand, that lets you keep a wider range of hands because you might not have a lot of inkables in your opening hand, but this can help draw you into that. I think it's going to be a major player in the beginning parts of the game, definitely. Mm -hmm. Especially, or I should say, the beginning parts of the format. 
All right, Dana, Cobra Bubbles is next. Just a social worker. He is an inkable seven cost character. He's a five, nine, and quest for two. I gave it a C. We have Triton in Sapphire already. That is functionally the exact same card in this very color. We have Stitch Carefree Surfer, which is just a thousand times better. This will probably be a menace in draft just because of how big it is, but it probably will not see any sort of competitive play. I gave it a C as well, and for the exact same reasons you did. Another Triton, and yeah, same reason. Okay. All right. Next, we have Doc, Leader of the Seven Dwarves, Inkable 3-drop, 2-3, quests for 2, share and share alike. Whenever this character quests, you may pay one less for the next character you play this turn. I gave him a B. I think he's pretty solid. He might not last a lot of turns, but you can at least get a turn or two playing a character earlier than the normal curve, which I think anytime you can play a character ahead of curve is pretty good. So B for me. Yeah, when I first looked at him, I just gave him a C because for a three-cost character, the stats just aren't there, but I'm leaning more towards a B as well. I think just getting that extra ink boost the first turn you quest with them to play some really powerful five-cost character, and if they don't interact with them, you get to do the same thing the next turn with a really powerful six-cost character. So I definitely think this one could be a player. It doesn't seem necessarily great in the dwarf decks just because most of them cost like two and three and four. I think one cost five. So, but as a standalone card, this one might be decent as well. Mm -hmm. All right. So next we have Dopey, always playful. He is an inkable three cost two, two who quests for one and he has odd one out. When this character is banished, your other seven dwarves characters get plus two strength until the start of your next turn. I gave this one a D. <laughs> <laughs> this one has just terrible stats. It doesn't really quest for very much. Seems like something that your opponent could mostly ignore if they're trying to quest. And I, like, if you have exerted characters they could just challenge the other characters before they challenge this one so you don't even get the benefit from that buff so i just don't think this card is very good at all so i wasn't thinking similar to what you had just said that that detail that you just mentioned like if they challenge the other ones first then this one i gave it a b initially but now i think i should drop it to at least a c I only gave it a B because I just liked the wording of his ability to last until the start of your next turn because normally with support it's just during your turn and so I think that until the start of your next turn insinuating it lasts throughout your opponents enticed me a little bit more to give it a bump but I do see your point, and so I'll probably drop mine to a C now. <laughs> yeah, the one thing this does have going for it is that if you challenge into a character and it gets banished, then that makes your other characters stronger in a challenge. But it's only a 2-2, so they probably didn't lose anything in the initial challenge that Dopey challenged. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I just don't think it's very good. Next one is Eodora. Accomplished Seamstress. An inkable five-cost character. She is a 1-9 in quest for two. That is a 
big booty for such a low ink cost. Yes. Even despite that, though, I did give her a D. I just, <laughs> I, I did too. <laughs> I just don't see her being used very much, honestly. And I feel like for that kind of stat line with being a 1-9, I would have expected to see either an additional ability or an additional lore quest, like to have her like quest for three. But given that we don't have either, I just don't see her being played. I think she is really, really close to being just insanely good. She costs four. I think she'd be really good. If she quests for three, I think she would be a pretty good threat. If she was a 2-8, I think she would be really good. The fact that she has one strength means that she doesn't put up any of a fight whenever a character tries to challenge into it. Mm -hmm. Maybe if there is a healing deck besides just like Rapunzel gets it with healing and you can keep her alive a really long time, that might be something, but... Uh, yeah, I just don't. I just don't see it with her as it stands. Mm -hmm. All right, next, Gaston Baritone Bully, a inkable three drop, a three three singer five quests for one. I gave him a C. I don't see this getting played over Ariel Spectacular Singer. Yes, he has one more attack than Ariel. I think Ariel is a two three, but it's not enough of an impact to be better than her added ability. So I just don't see him getting played over Ariel. All right, so I don't think this will see play over Ariel. I think it's just going to see play in combination with Ariel. I think it's going to be like a B plus or an A minus level card. It just adds a lot of consistency to the Steel Song decks, mm -hmm. just giving it another three cost character that can sing a whole new world or grab your swords early. And I think that is really strong, but it, one of the biggest problems with Ariel is that whenever you sing with her, she just gets challenged and beaten down immediately. And this one usually can take Rafiki or the new Madam Mim with it. So I kind of like this one. I don't think it's as strong as Ariel, but sometimes Ariel even just misses on the card and <laughs> this is just a little bit better in those scenarios even. So I'm uh, I'm kind of about him. Okay, good point. All right, so next we have Grand Duke, Advisor to the King. He's an equal two-cost character. He's a 2-2, two -two, quest for one. Yes, your majesty is his ability. Your prince, princesses, king, and queen characters get plus one strength. Mm -hmm. Tell me, Dana, what'd you think of this one? I gave him an AB. I actually think this card is pretty solid because... The archetypes he targets or affects is pretty broad. Unlike Moana of Montanui, where she only interacts with princesses, the fact that he does all kinds of royalty broadens the amount of cards that are actually affected by him. And I think he can be pretty nasty. So A B. Yeah, I gave him I gave him an A. So many of the most important characters in Disney are Prince, Princesses, Kings, and Queens, coincidentally. So this card, I think, plays really well offensively, so you're just questing with your characters, but they also have plus one strength, so that makes them harder to challenge into, but also when you're behind on board and you need to play him defensively, that lets you challenge into your opponent's characters a lot easier as well. Mm -hmm. Combine that with 
just the fact that he is inkable when he is not in those good scenarios means I think this one will be a big time player. For sure. All right. Next, Grumpy Bad Tempered, a inkable four drop, three four, quests for one, and has the ability There's Trouble a Bruin. Your other seven dwarves get plus one attack. I gave him a B. And I think it's because I think you and I are thinking the dwarves are at kind of different levels. I know that you said that you don't really think the dwarf package is good. I think we'll see some sort of dwarf package. I think even without his ability triggering, he's not a bad body for being a 3-4 and he's inkable. But I think he's especially good if you're playing the whole dwarf package. Yeah. If you are playing a bunch of dwarves, then he's probably a decent character. But... I, like I said, I don't, I don't think those are going to be better than a lot of the other decks that you could play competitively, but it's probably definitely a lot more fun than a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> honestly. that's true. But yeah, his, his stats are decent. His ability is decent. It's kind of like dopey's, but it's just static. It's always there. Mm -hmm. So that makes it a lot more powerful. That being said, I... Like I said, I just don't think the dwarf deck's going to come together in a meaningful way, so I gave him a C. Fair enough. So next we have Happy Good Natured, an inkable five-cost character who is a 3-5, quest for two, and he has support. Dana, I gave Happy a C, just like <laughs> pretty much all the others. No surprise. No surprise. His body's fine, but... I think there's like a Merlin in set one that's like a 3-4 with support. That didn't see any play. This one is a little bit better than that, but I don't think it's meanfully enough better for it to really matter. I gave it a B, even though it's nothing special. I just thought it was a good support character and his ability isn't dependent upon running a dwarf package. So it, he's more versatile than some of the other dwarves just for that reason. So B for me. You know, I have to say that the Maui test kind of was a real thing. Yeah. And it's just another character that just straight up dies to Maui. Okay. <laughs> Maui's just so good. Maui is good. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you Maui's that. Maui's very good. Well, who does survive the Maui test is our next character, King Louie Jungle VIP. He is a inkable seven drop, a three eight, quests for two, and has laid on the line. Whenever another character is banished, you may remove up to two damage from this character. I gave him an A. I think this... Ooh, spicy. Yeah. I think this card's pretty sweet. He's inkable, which is nice and has a big butt like Ursula does. So it will take your opponent doing an unfavorable trade to get rid of him if they don't have a direct removal action. Plus, he heals with each banished characters. It doesn't even have to be your character. So I think it's pretty nice because you could even get it during your turn when you banish that. I don't know. I just think, I think he's pretty good. Yeah. So I get where you're coming from. I gave him a C. <laughs> uh, again, this is just a card that when you put next to Stitch Carefree Surfer, I don't really think it's much competition. And for that reason, he gets a very bad grade. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were about to say, and for that reason, I'm out. And like on Shark Tank. Dang it. <laughs> this is my opportunity. And for that reason, I am out on King Louie. Uh, he is he is powerful, though. I like I can see 
scenarios where this character is impossible to banish just because every time you trade with one of your opponent's characters you can heal four off of him mm -hmm. for your character and your opponent's character getting banished that can be really powerful but like i said i just cannot fathom playing king louis when we have stitch around uh next card is mickey mouse friendly face it is an inkable six cost. It is a one six that quests for three. When this character quests, you may pay three less for the next character you play this turn. Wow, that seems like a really powerful ability. What'd you give this card, Dana? I give him an A. I think, obviously, it's nice that he's inkable being a six drop, but I think questing for three and paying three less ink to play a character is just really good. Like I said earlier, Anytime you have the ability to play a character for cheaper, it's just hard to not like the card. And so for me personally, I gave it an A. So I gave Mickey a C. I, I think, well, so you play him on turn six or whatever, then you have 10 ink next turn, but there aren't that many cards that cost 10 that like there, there just aren't that many cards that cost that much ink like if you're playing this in a ruby deck maybe you can play maleficent a turn or two earlier i could see that but it like you 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 are already going to have seven ink on the next turn like how much more do you really need well what if you're like think about it if you're if you're playing this with like an emerald deck you could play Cusco for two and then yep. still have extra. It's not that you have to play one big character. Like you might be able to play like a mid character and a cheaper character or two mids. Yeah, you can definitely play multiple characters much easier. I mean, I could I could definitely see being wrong on this one. I just, I kind of expect the format to be a little bit faster and something that doesn't impact the board immediately, I think is going to be a little bit. Playing Genie on the job for three. Come I, on, and then you can bounce. You can bounce okay. with three ink. Right, what if you play this and then they play Genie on the job and bounce this? Okay, that, but... Okay. Like, I think you... I, 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 think, your, I, I guess I see I think, your point. I think you would rather just have Genie on the job in your deck instead of this if that no, was your plan. No, I'm saying... Yeah, okay. You see what I'm saying? Like you, I, I guess, yeah. Like, yeah. you have rather okay, just Okay, I might have chosen a bad example, okay? But <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, like, no, I get what you're saying. That is a really powerful line of text, because, like you said, you could play two five-cost characters the next turn, and that can be really strong. I just think that this one might be a little too slow. I think the format's going to speed up a little bit, mm -hmm. and that might push him out. Like, if this was a set one card mm -hmm. i think it would have been pretty good that i mean there is a lot of removal in set one but i still think it would have been decent in set one okay all right so next we have mufasa betrayed leader inkable five drop a three three quests for two and has the sun will set when this character is banished you may reveal the top card of your deck if it is a character card you may play that character for free and they enter the play exerted otherwise put it on the top of your deck what did you give this one? I gave this one an A. It, I could even be low on it, honestly, but I think this one is really strong. This is like a Mickey Mouse friendly face that you don't have to pay a character for. It costs less. Even if it gets dragon fired the first turn, you could still get that effect. I think this card is 
just really, really good. You get all the inner plays abilities for your Stitches or your Hades or what have you. Most of your deck is going to be characters as well. I mean, you probably have 40 or 50 characters in your deck half the time. Mm -hmm. Way more than half the time. So the chances of you revealing a character is really high. This one seems like a slam dunk, very strong card. Yeah, I will admit I undergraded him at first. I gave him a B. I thought he was just pretty good, but looking more at it, I like that his wording says you may play because I think one of the reasons why I gave him a B is I was thinking, okay, well, if you reveal a character and play it exerted, what are the chances that you might not see it by the time it comes back to you? However, because it says you may play it, if it's something that you know is just going to die before it gets to your next turn, then you can just put it on the top of your deck and then just ink it if it's inkable or something like that. So I guess having that option and obviously playing a character for free, I prob I, I way underestimated, I think. I should definitely bump this up to an A for sure. Yeah, like, so the way I, I view it is that if you hit something... Maybe you you put Doc into play for free, then they still have to spend their turn probably challenging Doc. Otherwise, you get to play a six cost on your turn, so they'll probably end up losing a character that challenged Doc, so that can buy you some tempo. And sometimes you'll get really lucky and put Maleficent Monstrous Dragon into play, which is a huge character, mm-hmm. and it will just banish one of the characters that they already have in play. So I think the floor on this card is really high, and the ceiling on this card is incredible. Putting an Elsa into play seems <laughs> like it's the dream. Oh gosh, uh, yeah. I didn't even think about that yeah. and monstrous dragon too so i honestly probably should have given an s and yeah it, 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 it could be an s and like i said the floor is just so so high on it if you hit a two three think about it you're still getting five six worth of stats for a five cost character which is really not bad as the baseline mm-hmm Okay, next we have Mulan Reflecting, an inkable four drop, three, three, quests for two, shifts for two, and has honor to the ancestors. Whenever this character quests, you may reveal the top card of your deck. If it is a song card, you may play it for free. Otherwise, put it on the top of your deck. I gave her a B. I think by herself, she's not bad to be able to quest for two and do her ability, especially if we're going to continue to see song decks. But I think at this moment in time, her shifting ability really isn't applicable because the only other cheaper Mulan is the next one we're going to talk about, which is a three drop. And it's just really not just doesn't work as far as turns go. And so I almost wonder if we'll see a one drop Mulan in the next set. But until then, I think her shift ability is just not worth it. But yeah, B. Yeah, I gave this one a D, a big fat D. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, so I like, so they went a different way with shifting in this set where they kind of made the shifting a little bit cheaper for a lot of characters, but they didn't necessarily make the floodborns like over the top powerful kind of like they did Mm -hmm. in the first set like if you were to shift it on to mulan free spirit which is the next card you're only gaining one stat of strength whereas in the first set they probably would have buffed it 
five or six stats all together and mm-hmm. gave it another ability, it would have shifted for five or whatever. So they, they're doing shift a little bit differently, which on a lower rarity card I kind of like. But anyway, going away from the game design of it, I just think this card is really bad. You have to have... 30 songs in your deck for you to even have like a 50% chance of hitting and just because you hit a whole new world doesn't mean you necessarily even want to play it for free at that point in time maybe you have like five cards in your hand like a whole new world and your opponent has you know one card in their hand you don't want to make that exchange so you have to have your deck overload with songs. Not every time you hit a song is it going to even be good. You probably have to play bad songs like Hakuna Matata. So yeah, I, stats aren't very good. I'm, I'm just off of this one. All right, next. Mulan Free Spirit. Inkable 3 drop, a 2-3, quests for 2, and has support. I gave it a B. I think it's a solid support card. Nothing fancy. Okay stats. Quests for, I don't know, just... Nothing fancy. I give this one a C. It could be a B. I can definitely see this one getting some play here and there, and it it really would not surprise me. Quest for two, so it's like a fine threat. It helps you make some trades. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with a B. Okay. Next we have Nana. Darling Family Pet is an inkable two-cost character that is a 1-3, and it quests for one. As Nursemaid, whenever you play a Floodborne character, you may remove all damage from Chosen character. I gave this one a D. <laughs> <laughs> no, me too. Yeah, okay, okay. Glad we're on the same page on this one. Like, how many Floodborne characters can you put in your deck in order for this to be good? It's and they, situational. they have to be good Floodborns for you to play. Yeah, like, you don't want to play bad floodborns like mulan reflecting just to trigger nana so its stats aren't good doesn't quest for a lot it's just not a very strong card Mm -hmm. all right next piglet very small animal inkable three drop a two four quests for two vanilla b i think it's similar to wardrobe but you're trading one attack for two lore yeah i gave this one a b also so a card that kind of saw play at the end of the last format was Smee, and that was just because it had like five willpower. This one only has four, but a quest for two, so it's a better threat against some decks. I like it as a B. It's solid. Cool. Solid pig. <laughs> All right, next we have Rapunzel, Gifted Artist. It is an inkable five-cost character in 06. We really don't have many characters with zero strength, but here's one. It's a shift three, a quest for two, and it says, let your power shine. Whenever you remove one or more damage from one of your characters, you may draw a card. I could be wrong on this, but I gave it an A. I think with Amber being the ink color that is known for healing, this will see a lot of play just naturally. So A for me. So I gave it a C. I think my... The biggest issue I have with this card is that anything could challenge into it for free because it has no strength. You can't shift it, then immediately attack and banish something, and then use your Dingle Hopper to remove a damage counter to draw a card. Like, you you could challenge something still, but you're not actually really benefiting in that exchange. Like, if you challenge, like, a 4-4, you remove... A damage counter then they just get to challenge this thing back and 
this probably makes you play Dingle Hopper, which is just a bad card in your deck, and it'll probably make you play a Hakuna Matata, which is just another bad card. So, yeah, I don't... <laughs> if your deck's full of bad cards, then I, I don't really have any interest in it. <laughs> yeah, thinking about things that you had said, I overestimated that. I think I wasn't entirely worried about the zero attack at first because... I don't know, just without thinking, I was like, oh, well, Cheshire in my deck has this, but it also has the, when it gets banished, it banishes. So obviously it's still doing damage, whereas she just does nothing. And so I, upon reconsidering, will drop her. This one does not survive the Maui test. No. <laughs> in the future, I think that if there are enough, like, powerful healing cards I could see play, but, like... Rapunzel's already powerful enough. You don't need much more than her healing your characters and drawing cards from her. Sorry, Rapunzel gifted with healing. Like, that's already that's already the healing card you want. Mm -hmm. um, next we have Rapunzel Sunshine. It is an inkable two-cost character. It's a 1-4. And it has magic hair. You exert this character, remove up the two damage from chosen character. Dana, tell me about Rapunzel Sunshine. I gave her a B. I think I can see it being used in a healing deck. Nothing exciting. I'm looking at your sheet and I'm realizing I am way off from where you see her. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We can have different opinions. That's fine. I I gave her a D. Uh, I think she has just really poor stats. And I just think she has really poor stats. I think there's like a... 1-4 Baby Tomatoa in the first set that cost two, and that card never saw any play. Now, granted, this is just a better version of that card, and it can heal itself, but, like, if you're just spending the turn to exert it to heal itself or two, you're just not gaining anywhere. You're not gaining any traction. You have to have probably a Rapunzel gifted artist in play in order to make that worth it. I just don't see this card really doing anything for me. Mm -hmm. All right, next. We have Sleepy Nodding Off, an Inkable 2-drop, a 2-3, quests for 2, and enters Play Exerted. I gave him a C. I think he's only really useful if you get him early and can get him out on turn 2, or if your opponent doesn't have anything that could challenge at their turn, because if he's played later in the game, he's pretty much never going to make it to your turn. I had seen it firsthand. Granted, I only got a couple games with him, but I had several scenarios where I had played him later in the game and he didn't make it to my turn. So I think mm -hmm. he's a C. I gave him an A. I oh. think he is pretty good. <laughs> On turn two, this is one of the better two cost characters you could play because nothing on turn one or turn two is really going to challenge it in an effective way at least you're trading with it and it quests for two which is pretty good on such a cheap character mm -hmm. and enters play exerted the the one downside actually with that is that you can't draw a card off of stitch rockstar with it but I think we have seen enough from Stitch Rockstar to know that just because your character's interplay exerted and they can get challenged, like sometimes that just doesn't even matter because 
you're playing just a two-cost character that quests for two, and enough of those will kind of overwhelm your opponent at some mm -hmm. point. So yeah, I think I think this one's really good. Decent stats, quest for two, very cheap, inkable, solid card for me. Cool. All right, next, the last of our dwarves, we have Sneezy, very allergic. Inkable two drop, a one four, quests for one, and has a two. <laughs> I a know. two! I didn't know how I wanted to say that. <laughs> Whenever you play this character or another seven dwarves character, you may give a chosen character minus one attack this turn. I had given him a C. I think he's only really useful if you are playing with other dwarves, obviously, so we'll only see him being used in niche situations. Yeah, I give him a C as well. This might be the worst one. I think it's probably the easiest one to even play around because you can see it on board that if they play another dwarf then they might have a favorable trade into you so it just there's no surprise you know it's coming mm -hmm. it's weak stats not a very strong card for sure all right next we have snow white well-wisher so snow white well-wisher is a uninkable six cost three five that quest for two as shift four Whenever this character quests, you may return a character card from your discard to your hand. That's a pretty strong line of text. Dana, what did you think of Wellwisher? I gave her an S. I think she's really good. I see a lot of similarities to her and the Amber Hades, except I think she's better. Yes, the Hades is his ability to search for your discard pile is triggered when he enters the battlefield, whereas she needs to quest to do it. But if your opponent doesn't have anything that answers to her the first time she quests, you can possibly get multiple uses out of her. And she shifts too, to a four, because I know he costs four and she has better stats. So I think she's better than him. And I don't know, I, I think she's an ass. Yeah, I gave her a B. It's just an unequable six cost character, so I don't know how many of those you can consistently play granted she does have shift for four i can see her actually just being an a i'll, I'll bump her up not an s but i can see her being an a yeah she quests for more than what hades does hades triggers when he enters play but a lot of the time you're just gonna shift onto a snow white that's already in play so it's very similar anyway and then you just get that quest as soon as you shift it and the fact that this can trigger multiple times and it has a better body I think this one could be pretty strong as well. Okay, cool. All right, next Snow White, Unexpected House Guest, an uninkable two drop, a one two, quests for one, and then has How Do You Do? You pay one less to play a seven dwarves character. I gave her a C. I think unless you're playing a dwarves package, this character really isn't playable just due to her being uninkable and for the stat line that she has. Yeah, I gave her a C as well. I think if the dwarf deck is good, then this is probably the reason why, just because making all of your dwarves cost one less ink every single time, and especially if you have like two of these out, that can be really powerful. Just being able to dump your hand into play very quickly. But, I mean, it's just so narrow, it's not inkable, and... Like I said, I don't even know if the doors are very good. So yeah, I gave her a C. Cool. All right. And then now the third Snow White, Lost in the Forest. An inkable two drop, a two three, quests for one, and has the ability I won't hurt you. When you play this character, you may remove up to two damage from chosen character. What did you give her? 
So I would give her like a B plus. We already have like two, three for two as a stat line, and those are played relatively frequently. Mm -hmm. And this is just a strict upgrade because you get the enters the battlefield ability. So it's just better than all the previous ones, except for maybe Simba. So yeah, I, I like this one a lot. I think it'll see a pretty decent amount of play. Mm -hmm. I gave it a B as well. I think it's definitely more playable than the other two drop that we just talked about because you also don't need to depend on having certain characters in your deck. So plus she's inkable and like you said, has better stat lines. So B for me. All right. Next we have the queen. Commanding presence is a five cost inkable character. That is a four, three quest for two with shift two. And it has who is the fairest. Whenever this character quests, chosen opposing character gets minus four strength this turn and chosen character gets plus four strength this turn. Yeah, this, uh, this has some power to it. What do you think? I gave her an A. I think she's pretty solid in trying to get rid of characters during challenging because obviously you're bumping your characters up and taking theirs down. So I think it's going to be especially strong against the resist steel cards. And I think she's pretty nasty. Plus she's inkable, which is always a plus and can shift, which is an even better plus. So I think she's just got a lot going for her. Yeah, the fact that the next queen that we're going to talk about is a one cost and this shifts for two, mm -hmm. that could just be a really strong curve early in the game. Besides that, this is just the card that I think could just take over the board. It just makes so many favorable trades. I think this one is actually hard to play around because it can do so much as far as affecting the board. And there's a song that we'll talk about called World's Greatest Criminal Mind, which works pretty well with this because you can pump your opponent's character plus four strength and then use your use the uh, world's greatest criminal mind to banish that character if you need to. Mm -hmm. So if they just have like a Stitch Rockstar in play that you just absolutely have to get rid of, that's a that's another way to do it. So this has a, a lot of utility, I think. It has decent stats on its own. It quests for a couple. And it just seeing him play is going to be a, a big threat to your opponent. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right, which brings us to our last character card. The Queen Regal Monarch, a inkable one drop, a 2-2, two, two, quests for one, vanilla. I gave it a B. It's a Archimedes or Duke of Wesselton for Amber. Yep. So nothing fancy, but like you said, it could be a good one to shift the other queen onto. So. Definitely. It is a B, and I think that's all we really need to say about it. Cool. To be honest. All right. So moving on to our items, actions, songs. So first we have Dragon Gem and uninkable three drop item you exert it pay three and return a character card with support from your discard to your hand tell me what you think about this i think this card's an f and that's not even on our grading scale <laughs> it is incredibly slow you have to pay three ink every single time you can't ink it itself so even when it's bad it doesn't have that flexibility mm -hmm. There aren't enough strong and versatile support characters that you really care about just recurring and getting back over and over again. Mm -hmm. I mean, if this this could change. If they come out with like a support legendary character that is just insanely strong, then maybe you want to put one or two of these in your deck just to be able to 
get that card back, mm-hmm. but we don't have anything like that right now. I noticed the potential's there, but it's just so slow and too situational. It's a it's a F for me. <laughs> yeah. I have it as a D because I just, I agree, it's just bad. Yeah. All right. Hold Still is a inkable to drop action. Remove up to four damage from chosen character. I gave it like a CD range. I think there are plenty of other cards in Amber that heal and it's plus it's not like it's a song that you could play it for free so I just don't see this getting much play. You know what I gave this one a B. No I'm just kidding. (laughs) No I gave it a D. It is healing glow that is twice as expensive. Heals twice as much but it being twice as expensive means it's probably twice as bad. I will never put this into a deck probably so yeah it's a D. Alright, so next we have is Last Stand. It is a two-cost uninkable action, and you can banish chosen character who has challenged this turn. Dana, what do you think about Last Stand? I gave it a C. I can definitely see this getting played, but maybe only in certain decks and in certain situations, so it seems to be kind of niche for me. I can definitely see it helping to get rid of harder-to-challenge opponents, especially those with resist, so... Maybe you can use a cheaper character that's like your sacrificial lamb to just put damage on it and then use this to just get rid of it. But I just don't think it's going to be applicable enough to see a lot of play. Yeah, I give this one a D. I think it's really bad. It is not inkable. So again, you don't have that flexibility for when you can't even really use it. It is implied card disadvantage because you're using a character to challenge into their character and assuming your character can't banish it in the challenge that means yours probably died Mm -hmm. then you have to use a second card to to deal with their character and it just isn't flexible it is slow because in a lot of the beginning turns of the game people aren't necessarily even questing And if they are, you can usually banish those characters reasonably well. It just does not check the boxes for me. For sure. Okay, so next we have Painting the Roses Red, an inkable two-drop song. Up to two chosen characters get minus one attack this turn. Draw a card. I originally graded this as a D. I didn't really see it getting much use. I still don't. I think the first part of its ability is what is making me feel like it's just not going to get much use. The draw card, though, is nice. However, for one additional ink cost, you have friends on the other side that would have you draw two cards. So I see, I just don't see that this is going to get played over that, but I could be wrong. But yeah, D for me. So I have it as a C. I don't think the effect is particularly strong like giving two characters minus one attack like you could get some favorable trades in that but that's kind of situational you at least get to get the card back the most intriguing part about this to me is that it is a song so on turn three you can just use your or even turn two if you have the uh cinderella you can just sing this and then it's just a zero ink cost draw a card Mm -hmm. and that's one of the big reasons why friends on the other side is just so good because you so often don't have to pay any ink to get those cards so maybe 
but it's, I mean, it has a, a decent floor, but not a very high ceiling to me. It is inkable, which gives us some utility, but I just don't know how you can fit a lot of these into your deck. For sure. All right, so next we have Sleepy's Flute, which is a two-cost uninkable item. It has a silly song. You can exert it. If you played a song this turn, gain one lore. I gave this one a D. Yeah, I just, I just don't see it. Like, if you're playing this on like turn two then you're not playing a character that can sing mm -hmm. on turn two so like you're just gonna maybe play a song on turn three but that's just putting you really far behind on board you just don't have the the time to do that a lot of the time mm -hmm. so i just i mean they could at least make these things inkable so they have some flexibility they're, I think I think with some of these items, we're just playing it a little too safe. Yeah. I also gave it a D because unless you're playing a song deck, you're obviously not going to use this. But similar to what you had said earlier in this episode, chances of you even hitting a song or are, are going to be pretty low. So you're probably not going to have enough to, I don't know. It's not going to be enough to make it worth your while. So D for me. Yeah, and think of the songs that the Amber song decks... Uh, like to play it's friends on the other side which draw you a bunch of cards so if you have a bunch of cards in your hand then you don't need to gain one lore randomly because you're going to have enough resources in your hand to gain that lore mm -hmm. they have stitch rockstar which wants a critical mass of cheap characters which this is not mm -hmm. grab your swords which is a way to clear your opponent's board and like if you're just clearing your opponent's board by playing two grab your swords in a turn then you don't need that extra lore again because they don't have anything on board i just i just hate this card why can't <laughs> they just make these things inkable <laughs> i don't know all right next one world's greatest criminal mind an inkable three drop song banish chosen character with five attack or more what did you give this one so I gave this one a B. It's So this one is inkable, so it does have that flexibility a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the characters that your deck has a hard time beating oftentimes are just these bigger strength characters. Like uh, sometimes they just play a Maui and you're like, how do I not lose three characters to this Maui? And this is one of the ways to do it. Not to mention that you also have the queen, which can pump their characters up. So I think that combo is going to be pretty popular as well. Just mm -hmm. giving you that way to banish some more of their characters that you wouldn't normally be able to. For sure. I gave it an A. I think it's nice that Amber's finally getting like a removal card. Mm -hmm. And... It's a song, and so Cinderella could sing it. So I think that just makes it even better, is that they didn't just make it an action, but they made it a song too. So I think mm -hmm. that's what makes me give it an A. Yeah, it's definitely uh, pretty flexible and pretty powerful. For sure. So I dig it. All right, last card. Zero to Hero. It is a two-cost uninkable song. Count the number of characters you have in play. You may pay that amount of ink less for the next character you play. This one is, and it's very powerful, kind of narrow, 
Dana, what'd you give this one? I gave it a B. I think, similar to what I said earlier, anytime you can play characters for less of their cost is solid. Plus, it's a song, so you can technically play this for free and then possibly play characters for free. And I think especially if you're having the Stitch Rockstar deck where you want to have a bunch of characters in play, this just goes right into it. Yeah, it makes, like, just casting Carefree Surfer or just hard casting Stitch Rockstar much more palatable. I think the... The key to this card is just having some really strong five-cost characters in your deck because if you play a one-cost and a two-cost on turn three, you can sing with that two-cost character. Then you have three ink, and you can play a five-cost character. Mm -hmm. And that, like, just playing Mufasa off this seems pretty strong because even though you're going down a card by playing the zero-to-hero, kind of like just in time you at least get the card back from Mufasa a lot of the time because you're just going to put another character into play so as long as you have good five cost characters I think this one could be really strong another really good character to uh to put into play could be like the queen the amethyst one because it has a good body that can let you draw cards over the course of the next couple turns so I this is definitely a build around card it's powers there you just have to make sure you build your deck with it in mind. For sure. Did I miss you giving your grade? You might have. I gave it a C. Oh. Just because I'm not really sure how to grade it. Okay. If it was inkable, it would probably be, it, it might be an A, but yeah, it's a C, I think. Okay. Good deal. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of all of the Amber cards of Rise of the Floodborne. And so with that being said, we are going to continue our grading of this new set and do Amethyst next time. We'll just go in the same order that we did ooh, before. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> and we'll go down alphabetically by, by ink color. So next week will be Amethyst. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you have any agreeance or disagreeance, um, be sure to let us know. We and can handle it. We, we can, can handle, handle it, it, for sure. So... We hope you guys have a good week and a good Thanksgiving. If you're traveling this weekend, be, be safe. safe. Oh, jinx. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend.